Our, our passage that we're going to look over today is in 1 Peter chapter 9, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. You guys want to look it up? Pay attention to what the, the graphics say there. That was pretty uh, uh, clever of Pastor Henry to come up with those graphics, but they describe pretty well what drove uh, my desire to give this class, this study. Everybody have it? Say amen if you found it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Okay? I'll go ahead and start. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Remember that word, honorable, amongst the Gentiles. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation or the day of judgment. Amen? Let's pray one more time. Thank you, Father. Uh, I pray that you would uh, just lift me up, Father, in a manner that would bless these folks here, that you would be uh, compassionate and, and merciful, Father. Uh, give me words. Give me wisdom, Father. And, for, and uh, most of all, Father, forgive me for my downfalls or my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, guys, um, I work in the city of Laverne at a nursery. And I often, if not always, take a walk during my lunch hour, right? I'll go up um, Fairplex, which becomes E Street, then cross over and go down to uh, University of Laverne, walk through there, then come back and come back through E Street again. And it's usually about a two to three mile walk. Right, and uh, I was on this walk this one particular day. It hasn't been more than a couple of weeks, I don't think. And um, I came to the crosswalk, and I looked up, and the crosswalk was out of order. It said the crosswalk was closed. Oh my goodness! I said, "Oh well." So didn't think anything of it. I walked to the right, and instead of walking a quarter mile to the next traffic light, guess what I did? I jaywalked. I jaywalked. Carefully, I jaywalked. But had anyone been following me, I would have been in trouble, right? But guess what? To my surprise, there are eyes around every corner. Thankfully, it wasn't a policeman that saw me. It was a lovely young lady and her kids that happened to go to this church. <laughs> and guess what Mark was wearing in case they didn't know it was me? A Calvary Chapel Omani t-shirt. <laughs> so that's why this study came to mind. We're constantly being watched. And our witness, our testimony, needs to go a long way to lead people to Christ. Thankfully, you guys think it's cute and funny, but had one of the kids said, Pastor Mark did it, let me do it, and they got hit by a car... Well, what would you think? Right? 
Or had they seen me doing something desperately wicked, like walking down the street with a woman that wasn't my wife, what would they think? We're constantly being watched. It's crazy. It's crazy, and it's uh, important that we know that our witness is important. Amen? Let's go through the, the verses of this passage. Okay. But you are a chosen generation. What we need to know about this passage is this. Um, Peter's speaking to new believers in the area of Asia Minor, which is now present-day Turkey. Um, and from the context in chapter 1, it seems pretty apparent that he's speaking to people who are being persecuted, who are suffering for their new belief in Christ. Um, some of them are Jewish converts. Some of them are Gentile new believers. But the fact is that they are being uh, persecuted. So he goes on to speak to them about the privilege they have in Christ. How now the Jewish nation who would have received Christ has actually seen him as a stumbling block, right? But the, what, what does chapter 1, verse 12 of, of the Gospel of John say? He came to those who were his, but his didn't accept him. But he gave the right to become children to who? To all those who accepted him. Okay? That's the privilege that he's speaking to them of. That's the privilege that we have. So should our lives shine? Yeah, they need to shine. Is it difficult? Yeah, it's difficult. Verse 9 says, but you are a chosen generation. Chosen generation. Why? Were they special? No, he had predetermined in his heart, he had known in his heart, speaking of God, who would ultimately say yes to this offer. If not his own people from where he came, the Gentiles and all those, all those who would receive his grace. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That one is so endearing to my heart. His own special people. We were special to him. We were his children. We still are. We're the apple of his eye. And we're given an opportunity to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. In the ESV, which if you were to ask my son Randy, I knew I'd get him in there somehow. If you were to ask my son Randy, it's the extra spiritual version. No, it's not. We had this discussion when he first went to Pepperdine. People would tell him, you need to get an ESV Bible. He goes, what's that? They'd tell him extra spiritual, and it's not that. It's the English Standard Version, okay? But in the English Standard Version, it says that you may proclaim what? Does anyone remember? Huh? His excellencies, the greatness of the Lord, how good he is, the fact that we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, we were not a people, we were Gentiles, right? but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have mercy. I mean, there's a couple of things you should really underline in that passage. Chosen generation, royal priesthood. And we're not speaking of a priesthood that walks around in special tunics or special garb or garments. We're talking people who are priests from the heart, who who are out to give testimony of the greatness of our Lord. Amen? 
a holy nation. That means we're separated unto him. Not holy in the prudish sense, not holy in the saintly uh, sense, but to live a real life before God and the world announcing his goodness, announcing his excellencies. We were called out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Mercy, what is that? Not getting what we do deserve. What is it that we deserve? Death, punishment, his wrath. But instead we received what? Grace, his love, a new place in his family, salvation. Verse 11 says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. That means uh, people that are just passing through, strangers of this world. I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. The desires of the flesh, the desires of our eyes, um, of our pocketbooks, of the, of the desire to be powerful or, or famous. Okay, abstain from those fleshly lusts, which what? War against the soul. They go against us. They're battling against us constantly. We are chosen for God to do one thing, but the world and its desires come against us with another thing. This is so important. It points to my example of the jaywalking. It says, have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may... By your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. That means they can talk all they want. They can say what they want. But in their heart of hearts, when they see our lives, if we're living the Christian walk the way it should be walked, they're going to have to glorify God in the end, at the judgment. Amen? So how does this all apply to us, guys? It's a very high and mighty passage. And How does it apply to us? In every way, guys. Because if we say we have Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are now that chosen generation, okay, guys? We are now that royal priesthood. We are now that holy nation, his own special people, okay? So my question to you is this, guys. Does what we do affect how others perceive Jesus Christ? It does. Right? It does. Can we lead people astray? We can. Should we take our life of testimony seriously? Should I ever jaywalk again? No. Okay. So our salvation, it's not dependent upon our works. Okay? It's not. But our testimony certainly is. Right? How people see Christ certainly is. It's dependent upon our works, how we do. Okay? If we were to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says as follows. For we are his workmanship, created in who? Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Does that tell you how you should walk once you become a Christian? Once you've been born again? In good works, which he prepared. People say, but it's by grace. Absolutely right. You can't do anything to gain your salvation. Actually, you can't do anything to keep it. 
except abide in Christ. But we are witnesses. We give a testimony with our life who Christ is. Are we sending the correct message? Are we? Okay. So our life, our living testimony and witness, it's crucial. You guys know what that is? That's a buzzword that always gets me. Crucial. It's critically important, guys. It's critically important. It's crucial in the spreading of the gospel. Did you guys know that we're living Bibles to a lot of people? Pastor Henry always says this. Sometimes we're the only Bible anyone's going to see. So do we have to watch our P's and Q's? Yes. Is it a burden? It better not be. Because now you're doing it out of gratitude for what the Lord's already given you. If you had to do it to pay him off, no way. But out of gratitude, thank you, Jesus. You do it. You love doing it. Okay, guys? Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. But it's crucial. Did you guys know that Bible studies are awesome? Evangelistic campaigns are awesome. Crusades are awesome. Opening the Bible is awesome. But you know that the Lord reaches more people with equipped, loving saints, which you are, than all those combined to bring people to his kingdom? Do you guys know that? We don't convert them. Don't get me wrong. But we certainly introduce them to our Savior. And once they sit down with that Savior and see him in his eyes, there's no way they can say no. But we need to come and present them. Amen? So we don't convert them, guys. So more than a study, more than an evangelistic campaign, more than a crusade, we are used by him. When? When our witness is good, guys. When we live and, li- and walk the walk. Hey, don't get me wrong. Some of us have accepted the Lord at a, a harvest crusade. Some of us have accepted the Lord when Pastor Manny makes an altar call. Beautiful. But truth be told, you start preparing yourself in God's word. You start preparing yourself in God's love, and you will reach more people than a whole evangelistic campaign can. Okay? I, I sometimes shudder. I shudder, and, I, and, I, and I, it hurts me to know that I let the Lord down, that, I, that I'm a stumbling block for someone. A stumbling block, if you didn't know, a, a stone in the road that makes people trip. Don't trip, but you guys can make people trip. Okay, guys? It's a shame for people not to come to Christ at the time the Lord calls them simply because someone has given a bad example. Um, so it's an it's important thing, guys, how we live. We need to be real. Okay, guys? Does that mean sinning all over the place? No, that's not what I meant. We need to be real. We need to be transparent. We've we got to stop giving a performance. People can see through your performance. They can see through mine. Okay? We're not actors. We're Christ's children. Okay? Someone played, some people play the religious card. They come to church Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Right? They put on an act. 
we put on an act. We're not being who the Lord calls us to be. We need to get full of the Lord each and every moment of our lives, guys, all the time. People need to see that we're striving to follow Jesus, not to gain our, our salvation, but to thank him, to show a heart of gratitude. Our faith, it should be something we live. That should be our lifestyle. It should be the thing that envelops our whole being. Okay, It, it should affect everything we do. Okay? Um, I do like the acronym WWJD. What would Jesus do? Because it makes me meditate and think upon the things my Savior would do and does. Okay? I was around when that first came out, and he said, wow. Testimony in a nutshell, right? WWJD, what would Jesus do? You, you go that route, and you're not going to mess up. The problem is we don't go that route. We walk our own routes. We, we cause problems. What I suggest to you guys is this. Practice your faith, which should be your life, all the time. Not just amongst the brethren. You guys know what brethren, that's a family, fa- fancy word for saying church people or church family. Not just amongst the brethren, but wherever you go, whatever you do, don't jaywalk. Okay, guys? Don't add Christianity to, to your life as an afterthought. Some people say, okay, Christian, check that box. No. That should be who you are. That's who should be what's transforming you, the life of Christ, each and every day. Right? I often use this analogy. Our life is a train, okay? And we have our our lives in compartments, different trailer cars, right? The engine is usually us dragging the whole train. And we put our different compartments in each in each trailer, right? And we want to stuff Jesus in one of those trailers and say, oh, I've got that part of my taken care of. No, he should be the one towing the train. He, you should be the caboose. You should be at the back hanging on. Let him transform your whole life, guys. Be what he wants you to be. Um, we compromise our witness. We do. By being very much like the world. How are we like the world? In our lifestyle. Because we tend to put Christ at the end. We don't think it's who we are. We think it's part of us. No, it's our transformation. It's all of us. Okay? From the way we dress, that's not just for the ladies. Okay, guys? That's not just for the ladies. From the way we dress to the places we go to our politics. Okay, guys? That's a touchy subject, politics. I'm not telling you to be Democrat or Republican. I'm telling you to use a moral compass for all your decisions. If it doesn't fit in your life morally, guess what? You're voting the wrong way. If it doesn't fit in Jesus' life morally, you're voting the wrong way. I don't care how strong you feel about it. You're messed up if you're not in agreement with Christ. Okay, And that's the way I feel about my heart, too. If I'm not in agreement with Christ, I'm messed up. Okay? We do it for the sake of popularity. We do it to fit in. 
We do it for so called because of so called peer pressure. I, I can see a eight year old, even a sixteen year old, falling to that mistake, peer pressure. But what's peer pressure? We're all adults. We're capable of making our own decisions. Are we going to follow the crowd? Are we going to be led to the slaughter like a bull being pulled by its nose ring? No. We have a different bearing. We have a different uh, foundation that makes our decisions. It's the life in Christ. It's the life in his word. It's morality. Okay, guys? So everything we decide, how we dress, where we go, what political issues we have, they should all be looked at through a biblical perspective, a holy spirit filter, right? That's why we, sh- we should think, what would Jesus do? If we get in line with him, guess what? We're not going to mess up. We're not going to mess up. So we shouldn't compromise our faith by doing things that appear to be good but are actually bad. Okay, guys? You've got to think things out. Got to think things out. And all these things are determined by how we think, what we think, what we put in here. Okay, guys? On any given day, at any given moment, if people had the chance or were able to peel back the lobes of our cerebellum and see what we're thinking, would they be shocked? You'd be shocked with me, guys, because stuff that's not supposed to be in there gets in there somehow. And we have to renew our minds with God's word, right? In Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, we discussed what mercies are, right, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means your whole life, your whole life, not just the part that you have extra, just, not just when you have the time, totally, your whole life, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, Important word, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I mean, it's practical, and it's the least we can do because of his mercies, because of what he's done for us. He saved us from a, I'm going to use a big word, I don't even know if I use it correct, precipice, the edge, that's the correct word. We were going down, and at just the right time, it tells us in Romans 5, he sent his son to die for us, even though we were on the wrong side. Serving the wrong army, he sent his uh, son to die for us. And those of us who have accepted him, those of us who know him, know what I'm talking about. So now, out of gratitude, we should serve him. It's our reasonable service. It's the least we can do. Verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. What's that mean? Don't fit into the mold that the world's trying to put you into. I, I confess, I watch Instagram to see my friends. I look at Facebook. But in between, there's a lot of advertisement and stuff. And they try to make you fit into a certain mold. And we make the mistake of thinking, oh, that's so cool. Maybe I should do that. No. Put it through the filter, guys. Is it biblical? Is it in God's word? Is it loving? Is it true? Okay. Don't be transformed. By, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. I have a question for you guys. Should we strive to set an example? Should we strive to be good role models? Well, we've heard often a lot of, lot of uh, athletes 
who resign from that. I'm not a role model. They're just saying, I'll do whatever I want. They're throwing caution to the wind. No accountability, no reason, no nothing. We all are accountable because our lives, whether we like it or not, affect other people's lives. Okay, guys? So we need, we need to be watching how we live. And we should strive to be an example, okay? Some might say you're setting yourself up for failure, for a letdown, because we always fall short. Is that true? Of course it's true. We always fall short. But more often than not, more often than not, the reason we fall short is because we're not representing Christ. Who are we representing when we, when we fall short? Ourselves. Ourselves, right? You rely on yourself, sooner or later you're going to fall on your face. You rely on your own strength, sooner or later you're not going to be able to do that marathon. We need to be less, like John the Baptist said, so he can be more. Right? Mark, but you have this right to have your opinion. Yeah, but if it's not in line with God, guess what? You're taking second, third, and fourth place. Let the Lord be the one that represents. So don't represent yourself. Don't put yourself on a pedestal. Lift up Christ. He's the example. He's the only true way. Always point towards him, not just with words, right? With, with actions, with our life. Okay? And you say, well, that's hard. You say, well, that's impossible. On our, in our own strength, it is. Of course, of course. But don't forget, we have resources. Would the Lord throw us into the world and say, okay, go for it. You got it. Or would he prepare us? Would he strengthen us? Would he give us the resources to live a life that's pleasing to him? He gives us the resources, but we need to accept them. We need to train ourselves in them. We need to practice them. Okay? We have his word, the presence of the Holy Spirit, his love, his strength. So we don't need to rely just on ourselves. In Acts 1.8, it says as follows, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness, witness says, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's in Acts 1.8 for you, those, those of you who are taking notes. Okay, guys? So it's a promise. He's going to give us the Holy Spirit. He's going to reside in us and amongst us. Okay, guys? We just have to constantly, constantly give over our, give our will over to his. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's talking about speaking, about being able to give a correct testimony, but it also applies to our lives. He will strengthen us. He will give us the ability. It's him. It's not us. It's him. Okay, guys? But in all this, we have to be an, op to, an open receptacle. We have to be an open cup. That's the only way we'll ever overflow. You guys have heard the saying, my cup runneth over. Well, it's never going to overflow if you have your own desires above it. You're, you're, you're covering the blessings, okay? That's why in Ephesians 4.30 it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
we have this guarantee on us from the Lord, his Holy Spirit upon our lives. Okay, guys? But we can't usher him out of our lives, but we can surely depress him because he is a person and he is a gentleman. He will not take us by force. We have to come willing, not kicking and screaming. Why would we do that? The blessings that we're receiving are amazing. A new life, a new opportunity, life and eternity in the presence of God, the creator of the universe. Why would we say no to the Holy Spirit? Why would we depress it? Why would we sadden him? Okay, guys? We need to seek perfection. Do we? Do we need to seek perfection? We do. It doesn't have to, have to do anything with not being able, not committing mistakes. It's got to do with an attitude of the heart. It's got to do with always striving and extending myself to do better in his will. Always. Okay, guys? We, we can't sit back and say, oh, I messed up that time. No. No. We have to have that perfection that heart of perfection, that heart that's desiring to do better next time, that heart that's seeking forgiveness. Okay, guys? In 1 John 1.9, it talks about restoration. Do we sin still? Unfortunately, right? We like to dwell in the flesh sometimes. We like to dwell in the pride. But in, in 1 John 1.9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is What? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's restoration. Okay, guys? You guys when, remember when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet? What did Peter say? No, 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 Lord, not, don't wash my feet. And he said, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. He says, okay, well, then wash me all over. He says, no, no, all you need is your feet. Basically, he's saying, you're still walking in the world. You're still walking in the mud and the mire. So all I got to do is wash your feet. How many times a day should we be before the Lord asking him to wash our feet, asking him to cleanse our hearts again? Always. Always. It's not once a day. It's not once a month and not once a year. It's a constant restoration. We have to ask God to cleanse us because we're not watching our walk, right? But we need to have our feet washed on. So we need to seek holiness. What is this holiness stuff? Does it mean we walk around with our hands in a praying position? Does it mean we walk around um, doing the crucifix? Does it mean we walk around doing a mantra? No, it means that we put ourselves in God's hands. Seek that which is pure. Seek that which is righteous. Because positionally, he's already sanctified us. He's already set us apart for his use. But now, the purification, the holiness, it's a process. And we always, always, always have to seek that. We have to ask the Lord to make us pure. We have to seek holiness, okay? In Ephesians, I believe it's 5.18, it says that we should always, always ask for the Holy Spirit. We should get full of the Holy Spirit. Not drunk on wine, but full of the Holy Spirit. 
First Peter thirteen sixteen. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. That means prepare your mind. Okay, loins are usually this part of an animal or a man. It's your shoulders, your spine, all that muscle area. Prepare your mind the way you would prepare yourself to carry your burden. Be sober. That means be straight. Be alert. Look upon things the way you should. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How should we rest our, our hope on, on, on the grace? Fully. Completely. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to former lust, as in your ignorance. Were we ignorant? Formerly. We know the truth now. We might be ignorant in certain areas of life, but if you've come to the Lord, you know his grace. You know his love, his mercy, and his compassion. You have a special, special relationship with him. And he's an amazing, amazing God. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Question, should we as common everyday people ask people to imitate us? Trick question, should we? Did Paul ask anyone to imitate him? He did. In what manner? As he imitated Christ, right? He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We should have the valor and the boldness to say that if we're living a life that gives good testimony. Am I, am I saying a life that's perfect? No. But it has the perfect attitude. Do you guys think Paul ever got angry? I think so. Envious? Jealous? Yeah, he was still human. But he did his best to abide in the Lord. So should we ask people to imitate us? Yeah, if we're walking the right walk. We're going to lead them right to Christ. Because whether we realize it or not, whether we condone it or not, people are watching. Okay? People are watching. Okay, guys? From near, from far, all over the place. You'd be surprised where you find people from church. I go to Home Depot quite a bit. And there was a lady there. I, I go, she looks so familiar. Every time I went to Home Depot, comes to, I come to find out that she's a sister here. And I go, hermana, I knew that was you. Thankfully, I was on my best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I wear a lot of Calvary Chapel t-shirts. And if I do a, I do a blunder, I go, man, I make sure I'm not wearing a t-shirt at that time. But it keeps you in line. But actuality, what, what's that key, what is it that keeps you in line? The Holy Spirit of God, right? So whether we realize or not, people are watching us. Whether we condone it or not, people are watching us from far and from near. And we, we, we can do something, which at the moment sounds quite biblical. And I hope you guys don't, don't misunderstand me. We could tell them, oh, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Is that a truth? Of course that's true. But that's something you should tell yourself, not the people that are watching you. 
Is it tell, good to tell people to keep their eyes on Jesus? All the time. All the time. It's always good. I've mentioned this before, but in my early years as a Christian, I was head over heels in love with the Lord, and I still am. And this wise man, wise pastor came up to me one day. He says, you know what, Mark? You love the Lord, don't you? Yeah, I really do. I really do. I try to make it apparent in everything I do in my life. He says, well, that's good. That's so good. But always keep your eyes on Christ. Is that a biblical truth? Yes, it is. It's an awesome truth. But you know what happened a few years later? That poor man's wife committed adultery on him with his best friend. And I remembered back to what he had said to me two or three years prior. He, of course, did not know anything was going to happen. But he saw a new Christian, and he tried to prepare my heart, which he did. Had I not heard that advice prior, I may have just walked the Christian life with my head down all the time. Within sadness. But thankfully, he gave me a good advice. Keep your eyes on the Lord. So are we to be, be a good testimony? Yes, we are. But continue to keep your eyes on the Lord, okay, guys? So it can be a cop-out, actually, if we say keep your eyes on the Lord every time we mess up. At what time do you become responsible for your own convictions, from your own belief. At what point do you show people that you're serving a living God? They're not, you're not in it for the religion. You're not in it for the sociality. You're not in it for, for any reason except the Lord. Okay? So don't, be a, don't have it be a cop-out. Our lives should be a reflection of the one who has saved us, of the one who we're indebted to. Can we ever pay him back? No. But we should have an attitude of gratitude, always living our lives for him. We should make our best effort to be a good example. We should desire to be role models. You know, granted, we all fall short. We always fail, but we need to seek that perfection. We need to seek, seek that ability to be good examples. And we say, that's impossible. Well, not if you have the perfect attitude. Always seeking, always failing forward when we do fail. What does failing forward mean? It means learning from our mistakes and doing better next time. Don't, don't fall in a rut, guys, where you keep, keep committing mistakes and you get lower and lower. Immediately, immediately seek that restoration. Ask the Lord to wash your feet. Okay? It's so crucial. Our, our families, uh, our sons, our daughters... Our grandkids, and that breaks my heart to think that one day they, they might say, man, Grandpa was such a bad example. But if one day I see them come into this place with their hands raised, and they go, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. That's my desire and my hope. We can't do anything on our own, guys. We need to be equipped by God. Amen? Am I putting a burden on you guys by telling you all this? Actually, I hope so. I hope you desire to get better. 
I hope you desire to be filled with the Lord all the time. Okay? It's an easy burden because Christ will walk with you guys. Ephesians 5, chapter uh, verses 1 to 3, it says, Therefore be imita- imitators of God as dear children and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So what are we to be? Imitators of God. Okay, guys? Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I have a question for you guys. How much do we look like Christ? How much do we strive to look like him, to live like him? I, I, that always brings to mind a passage in Acts, in chapter 4, verse 13, where uh, John and, and Peter, I believe, if I'm not confused, had just uh, healed the man at the Temple Beautiful by virtue of Jesus' name, by virtue of the Holy Spirit. And they were asked why they did this or how they did this. They were explained, asked to explain why they did it on the Sabbath. And they explained that it was done in the name of Jesus. And they went on to, to articulate their thoughts about Jesus, right? And the Pharisees saw them from afar and said, wait a minute, aren't these guys just some country bumpkins? Aren't they just fishermen? Listen to the way they speak. It's obvious that they have been with Jesus the Christ. That's in Acts chapter 4. And my question is, when people look at us from afar and from near, is it obvious that we've been influenced by Christ? Is it obvious that Jesus is our Lord? We need to get closer. We need to make it obvious. Amen? Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. This is Paul speaking. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. And just finally, to close, guys, 2 Corinthians 5, 20, it says, Now then, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives for Christ. We're diplomats, not for a puny country like the U.S., but for the greatest kingdom on earth and envelops earth the kingdom of God now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading begging through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God our whole life ambition our whole life goal should be to get people reconciled to God and our witness has everything to do with it amen let's go ahead and pray guys